Welcome in, everybody. Episode 125 here on the Sports Gospel, sportsgospel.com, or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Darren and Andrew with you on this week's show. Happy to have you all back with us. And happy November, happy belated Halloween or Samhain or All Hallows Eve or Dia de los Muertos or Guy Fawkes Day, whatever you celebrate. I didn't say that last week during our trivia episode, but uh, hope you all are, are enjoying fall and happy to be into November as crazy as it seems. We're already in November, but that does mean we have a lot of football updates to get to with our topsy-turvy schedule and then doing trivia. We haven't really sunk our teeth into the NFL and NCAA football in a while. That's going to be the focal point of this week's show. And then towards the end, maybe mix in some NBA. There's a huge UFC card we have to get to. Maybe finally put a bow on the World Series. We'll kind of see where time allows so we can get Andrew off to watch his college basketball in time. Yeah, and also, you didn't say happy beggars night there at the opening. I, I, I don't know what's wrong with you. I don't think people outside of Des Moines metropolitan area know about your guys' weird, fake, made-up Halloween. Yeah, they don't, but... uh. I would still appreciate it, you know, if you wish me a happy beggars night because I'm a big fan. Happy beggars, no, not real. Happy beggars night to the people in Des Moines who can't celebrate real Halloween. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, also, anyways, we can dive into it. Also, if there's a change.gov petition to make Halloween just the last Saturday or Friday of October, I'm I'd, I'd sign up for that one. Uh, if we could just change Halloween to Friday the thirteenth. Ooh. Smart. Make it so that make it so that there's always a Friday the thirteenth or something in October. I don't even know how, yeah, how we yeah. would do that. We'd have to rearrange our entire calendar, but whatever. Yeah. Call somebody whoever works on that. Let's get that department to sort that out for us. Yeah, right. Well, we will start our first show in November here looking at the NFL. Uh really just kind of want to go division by division here. I think we've Sort of figured out who the contenders and pretenders are, but we'll take our divisions here and then maybe give uh, give out some midway point season awards. But we can start in your beloved NFC. Do we do we want to start with the North or is it for the wounds still a little fresh? Uh, we can start with the North. So I I think this is kind of what we expected out of this division. It is good to see Detroit looking like the real deal. They feel like quietly like one of the most complete teams there at six and two feel like they're kind of on cruise control in this division the bears are as bad as we thought they were going to be the vikings who i was cheering for and i thought they'd be there and they got hot at the right time they won four in a row but now they have to do the rest of this without Kirk cousins because i don't think that you know the south is all that great the west is two teams the east is maybe two teams i think the north has a shot at getting two teams in here I think it's going to be Detroit, and I think Minnesota has a shot. I'm just worried about the Minnesota quarterback situation. And then your Packers are kind of what I thought the Packers would be, and now they have to do it without Razul Douglas. So this it feels like Detroit's kind of cruising through the north, and the rest are maybe duking it out for second. Yeah, I, I mean, I get Green Bay has had um, a rough season, but they have five losses, and three of those have been by one score or less. Uh, the Vikings tried to give them the game. The Falcons tried to do the same. Broncos, Raiders. Um, yeah, really. Actually, that's four losses by one score or less. And that's kind of the hallmark of a young team, right? Not being able to close out those close games. Still like Green Bay's schedule for, for them. Um, Detroit, yeah, I know people want to say they're the real deal. Uh, but they have two bad losses to uh, playoff teams. Um, their wins 
are kind of meh. I mean, they they beat the Chiefs, but that was week one with no Kelsey. They have destroyed a lot of bad teams, right? The Falcons, the Packers, the Panthers, the Bucks, the Raiders. Anytime they've come up against a team that they could face in the playoffs, the Seahawks lost. The Ravens absolutely destroyed by the Ravens. Um, so I do think the Lions are going to win the division as well they should because their schedule dictates that they should. But I don't think I consider them a true contender for the NFC crown. I think, as strange as it is to say, I think the NFC has one contender, and it's Philadelphia. We can keep moving on there and talk about the East. We'll get to the playoff picture here in a little bit. It's I, I do think Detroit has is a little bit more of a threat. Jared Goff, I think people treat Jared Goff like he's a has-been over the hill. He's only in like his ninth season. He's still a you know middle-of-his-career prime guy, and he's playing really well. Jameer Gibbs is finally breaking out, so they have that. They have a solid offensive line when they're healthy. I am concerned about the lack of Jamison Williams. I thought he was going to be a stud in the league. Amon Ross St. Brown and your guy Sam Laporta – seem to be making things hum there for Detroit and Aiden Hutchinson, which I, I know it's only been a season and a half, but what the heck Jacksonville Jaguars, they passed on him for Trevon Walker. Who's been all right, but Aiden Hutchinson's a beast, but I do, I do think you are on a little, a little bit more faith in Detroit, but I think you're onto something there with the NFC. It feels like Philly is running away. I think this will especially be noticeable when we talk about the West, but Philly just does seem a cut above everybody else right now. They've won three in a row, undefeated in the division, 4-0 at home. So they're 8-1. and They're sitting pretty in that East. New York is as bad as we thought they were going to be. Washington, like, weird side note, Sam Howell has amazing numbers. I didn't realize Washington threw the ball so much. And then Dallas is, you know, typical Dallas can't decide if they're going to be good or not. But it feels like Philly's kind of cakewalking through this division, too. Yeah, um... I don't see any reason to doubt Philly winning this division here. I think they're the favorite to go back to the Super Bowl. Possibly win it. Depends on who they're going to play. But I think, you know, Dallas probably going to make the playoffs. Commanders could sneak in. Giants, they're having a nightmarish season. Daniel Jones is out for the year. They're looking at starting like Tommy DeVito at quarterback for the rest of the season. So I think the Giants are in quarterback sweepstakes at the end of this year. And, you know, honestly, there's just not a lot of trustworthy quarterbacks. You talked about Jared Goff. I think the most trustworthy quarterback in the entire NFC is Jalen Hurts uh, in terms of the playoff teams that are out there. I think it's Jalen Hurts by far, especially with what's gone on in Minnesota with the Cousins injury. Otherwise, I would probably have Cousins number two, honestly, with the way he was looking before the injury. It is a weird thing to think about. We're thinking ahead to this next draft that's supposed to be so quarterback rich. And then I look at this, I'm like, well, maybe these guys, because like the Giants are tied to Daniel Jones's contract and the Cardinals with Kyler Murray's contract. Like, can they find a way to wiggle out of these? Because... When we look at this week's schedule, Taylor Heineke and Josh Dobbs and even Sam Howell, guys like that, or Aiden O'Connor are all projected to start this week. So quarterback plays such a curious thing where 
we think a lot of these teams are set. And then in the blink of an eye, like the Vikings, they're scrambling to find somebody. So to put a bow on this division, yeah, Philly feels like they're running away. And just touching on the Sam Howell stats, crazy high in touchdowns and passing yards. And then he's been sacked 44 times in what I thought was a decent Washington offensive line. Commanders, interesting, feel like they're kind of selling off pieces with this new ownership wants to start fresh. So I wonder if Howell's a bridge. They got rid of their two good defensive ends at the trade deadline. So I feel like Washington is setting up to maybe let Sam Howell ride this year out and then swing big in the draft. Yeah, I could absolutely see that. So um, I don't know if they'll swing big on a quarterback. I, I do think they may maybe just need to shore up that offensive line because I think you can win NFL games with Sam Howell. I think they can kind of follow the Dallas model of building a contender around a cheap quarterback on a rookie contract. So I I would probably do that rather than um, using up a first round pick on a quarterback when you've already got one that's somewhat decent, just needs better protection. Well, I, I hope Sam Howell gets his shot. He's a guy that I've been cheering for. So happy to see him having a degree of success. Going over to the West, when we talk about quarterback messes, the West did maybe the best model of that. Without Matthew Stafford, we see what the Rams have become. They went out to the scrap heap to get Carson Wentz, and his vagabond NFL career continues. Looks like he'll be the guy for the Rams going forward between he and Brett Ripien. But the Rams feel like they are just drifting towards a high draft pick. I don't know what to make of this team. So much high-end talent, but just not a lot of depth. So the Rams and the Cardinals, predictably at the bottom, I still think Seattle and San Francisco are going to make noise in the postseason. San Fran's just such a complete team on the field. The coaching, the GM, all the pieces are there for the Niners. Our our beloved boy, Brock Purdy, has got to get it together in their three-game skid. I know he hasn't had Debo Samuel. He hasn't had Trent Williams to protect him. But he's doing some of those scary Brock Purdy things we saw a lot at Iowa State. And then Seattle, I was ready to jump on this hype train about how much I like this team, even with Geno. And then they get decimated by the Ravens. I still think the Niners and Seahawks are both playoff teams, but it's a closer gap than I maybe expected. Um, I'm going to say something that may or may not shock you, but the Seahawks are winning this division. Hey, the way the way the Niners are going. Yeah, until the Niners are willing to put Sam Darnold in and replace Brock Purdy, who had his nice little insanity run, uh, but it's over. Um, I, I think they need to make the switch to Darnold. I really felt like before the Cousins injury that they should have tried to talk. Um, well, Kirk Cousins might have been willing to waive his no trade clause to go to the Niners and reunite with Shanahan. And that would have been something maybe they will in the offseason, but I don't know if you take a risk on Cousins with the injury now. But I thought that would have been a good move. I think, I think the Niners uh, have issues at quarterback. I looked at their schedule. And uh, frankly, I see 10 and 7 for the Niners based off the rest of their schedule. I see at least 11 and 6 or better for the Seahawks based off the rest of their schedule. So just kind of how I see it, I have a little bit more faith in Geno. And yeah, they did get blasted by the Ravens, but uh, the Ravens are playing great football right now. And they might honestly be my favorite to win it all. Yeah, the Seahawks and 49ers play two times in three weeks, right before and after Thanksgiving. Yeah. 
And they sandwiched in a game against the Eagles, so that's going to be quite the stretch for the Niners to get through there. They yeah, have- and I think uh, I think the Niners and Seahawks will sp- split. Each team will win their game at home. Uh, where I think the difference is, though, I think I think the Niners lose to the Jaguars. I think they lose maybe another game that they're not expecting to or two. Um, definitely lose to the Eagles as well. Um, but I think I think the Seahawks could go on a little run here because they've got Commanders at home. They've got at the Rams, who who knows the Stafford health, even with a healthy Stafford, probably still favor the Seahawks. Honestly, the Niners at home, which I, I just said they're going to win that at the Cowboys. Tough game. You never know what you're going to get, but they could conceivably beat the Cowboys. I think I think the Seahawks might win four in a row, honestly, and then I think they'll lose to the Niners and probably the Eagles. Finish the year at the Titans, Steelers, Cardinals. I, I think I see 12 wins, 11 or 12 wins for the Seahawks squad, just based off their schedule. And I like the coaching with Pete Carroll. He's a Hall of Fame coach. I like the defense, Bobby Wagner, the ageless wonder. They have a lot of weapons. They're just, they're kind of middle in the pack of scoring, which concerns me. All the other playoff contending teams can put up points more easily. So Seattle needs to find a trick there to get right. Geno's been okay, not as eye-popping as last year. I think they need a little bit more out of him, find those receivers, Jackson Smith and Jigba. If he could start playing to the hype with which he was drafted, that would turn them around. So I think they're gonna. it's going to be a nail-biter coming down to the end of the season. I think it, it may be a week 18 before this one's decided for me. Yeah, I think it'll be decided a little bit before that. And honestly, I'm, I'm all in on Seattle. I think Seattle at Philly for the NFC Championship. Mm. Is what we're on path for. I need to look at the bracket here in a minute. Um, now I think think yeah. the, those that's probably the best top two I would say of any division is. Yep. And we um, because because I think I think the seeding will go, Eagles one, Lions two, winner of the NFC West, which I'm predicting to be the Seahawks could be the Niners, but I'm predicting Seahawks three. And then I would take Seahawks over Lions because we've already seen it in Detroit. And they did it in Detroit. I think they can do it again. And I think Philly's just going to cruise against the NFC South champion or Dallas or whomever they have to play, really. Or or the Niners. Like I, I don't know. I, I don't see anyone in a playoff setting beating Philly in the NFC. Well, on the opposite end of that spectrum, somebody has to win the NFC South. The Saints were my pick. A lot of people were with the Falcons. Tampa Bay looked like the team early in the year, and they've since lost four in a row after starting out three and one. And then the Panthers are doing their best to give Chicago a really high draft pick next year. Still, somebody's got to win this division. I like what the Saints are doing. They've got this monstrous payroll, sort of loaded with talent. Derek Carr just has to steady the ship. Atlanta can't figure out their quarterback situation. And then Tampa, again, with all that talent, I just I worry about the coaching. And as much as I've hyped up Baker over the years, I'm not sure he's the guy for them. Maybe you could win this division at 9-8, and eight, and I think it's going to be the Saints that do it. I think you will win this division at 9-8, and eight, 
but I think it's going to be the Falcons that ultimately do it. Um, and here's, here's why I think the, I think the Saints have a game at the Vikings and I think next week and I think Dobbs gets them. They go to Atlanta. I think Atlanta wins that. I like Heineke personally. I think that's in a lot of ways an upgrade over Desmond Ritter and therefore they're going to, they're going to have a lot better chance. And then they have a home game against the Lions. I think the Lions will take care of the Saints. So Saints are five and four, and I think they'll probably be five and seven after the next three. Then they've got home games against the Panthers and the Giants, seven and seven at the Rams, eight and seven. And then a tricky spot against the Buccaneers, eight and eight. And then I think it's going to all come down to a week 17 matchup home against Atlanta. But before then, I think. Atlanta is probably going to have a pretty good schedule themselves. I'm just sorry. Give me one second. I'm just pulling up the Atlanta schedule, trying to project it out. But I think next week at Arizona, who is tanking, Kyler's back, but I think the Falcons should win that. Home against the Saints, they're going to win that. At the Jets, the Jets are a mess, I think. Atlanta could rattle off three in a row. They're four and five. I think they'll be seven and five. They're playing the Bucks at home. I think that that might could be a spot where they lose. Um, potentially, I guess New Orleans better hope so, right? Because they play the Bucks at home, fifty-fifty, right? At the Panthers, Panthers are probably tanking by that point of the season. Colts at home. On New on uh, Christmas Eve, at the Bears, at the Saints. So if I'm looking at Atlanta's schedule, I think I see three games, maybe four, depending on how you feel about the Colts, where it's 50-50, and the rest I'm probably penciling in as wins for the Atlanta Falcons. So, I, I really think we're coming down to that last week, probably, for the NFC South between New Orleans and Atlanta. And I'm taking Atlanta. And then something crazy will happen where that team plays Philadelphia in the first week, and then they beat Philly in a nonsense, you know, like last year with the Giants, where nobody saw it coming, and something that would make no sense, because that's what the NFL does to us. I'm I'm ready for a Taylor Heineke Super Bowl MVP <laughs> run. Hey, let's change it up. Let's get some fresh blood. Uh, yeah. But if the at aforementioned, I, so I just want to quick, uh, brag a minute. The current seven NFC playoff teams are the seven that I predicted at the beginning of the year. So I'm going to take that half season, uh, feather in my cap. Nice. Not good, necessarily good job. Right. Good, good feather in your cap. I still think there's an outside shot. My Packers could ruin it for you. Not not necessarily in the right seeds, but if they started today, Eagles won with the bye, two-seed Lions would host the Vikings, the Niners would host the Cowboys, and the Saints would host the Seahawks. So even then, I think week two, you'd be looking at Eagles, Seahawks, Niners, Lions. That Cowboys team concerns me, though, because it's Dallas in the playoffs, but also there's a lot of talent on that team. So it's you know, which side of the coin do you go on? But no, I, th- yeah. I think looking at that, Eagles, Seahawks, Niners, Lions, feel like my four. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm with you on the four. 
Uh, want to flip and talk AFC? Yeah, let's go over to the AFC here. Start in. Uh, let's be yeah, Keep it the same way. Let's start out with the East, just because that's on the top of my screen. Uh, the division again that is weirdly closer than everybody thought. Miami mm. sometimes looks great, sometimes looks terrible. Four and zero at home, which is good for them. They do have the division advantage right now over Buffalo, who's five and four. Another team it's, it's high and up and down with this Buffalo team. The Bills were the team that I was cooling off on coming into the season. I think the hype got a little bit too much, and I think we're kind of seeing maybe they just need a new face and Sean McDermott may get, maybe gets a job elsewhere. The Jets are four and four. Props to them. I once Rodgers is gone, I thought this team was absolutely going to crater and maybe be two and seven. And speaking of two and seven, there are the lowly New England Patriots, and we're all just going to revel in the Patriots being terrible, even though if it is premeditated and they're tanking for a draft pick, let's just all relish in the Patriots' misery. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest surprise here, right, is not something that we would have predicted before the season, is there's only one team from this division set to make the playoffs, and it's Dolphins because they're leading the division. Right now, if the playoffs started today, the Bills and the Jets would be out. Now, the Jets, it makes sense after week one. Aaron Rodgers went down. Obviously, a struggle with Zach Wilson. Offensive woes, just like they had last year. Uh, but the Bills are a little bit of a surprise. But a lot of it is they've had some devastating injuries on defense. They just keep having guys go down, and their defense is absolutely leaking like a sieve. And their offense can't quite make up for it. Josh Allen throws one interception per game, it feels like. And that may just be part of his DNA and part of who he is, honestly. So I think there's a real danger to Buffalo missing the playoffs. And that's probably the thing to watch because I think Miami is set set up perfectly to uh, win this division. Yeah, they're, I don't trust either of these teams if they get in there and they run into Cincinnati, Baltimore, Kansas City. I think they'd get run through. Miami is fun, and they're all speedsters. I just wonder if they're quite to that level yet of really being that complete team like we see with the Chiefs or the Bengals or even the Eagles, or maybe just a little bit more complete. Miami may be the most fun. I just speed does not often win in the NFL, the championship level. Yeah. Yeah, I think Miami is going to end up in that four spot. Uh, meaning a wild card round with probably, I mean, maybe the Bengals, depending on how things go. But if it started today, they would face the Steelers. And I don't think Miami should have any fear of the Pittsburgh Steelers at all. Um, the Bengals certainly are a team to be afraid of, and I think they'll be a, in that five spot when all is said and done. So really, you're going to see a lot of teams trying to jockey their way out of that four spot, essentially. Yeah. Um, you don't want it want to be in that four spot having Cincinnati come into your town because they've done it before. We know they can do it. So, um, yeah, that's just... That's just where I'm at. I don't know. I haven't looked at the Jacksonville or Miami schedule, I guess. I'm looking at the Miami schedule. Next three games are Raiders, Jets, next four, next five, actually. Raiders, Jets, Commanders, Titans, Jets. 
that's five pretty winnable games for Miami, I would say, regardless of location. Right. Not gonna not gonna say that they're winning all five, but that does give them a leg up. And then they finish the season with uh Cowboys, Ravens, Bills. Who knows where the Bills will probably need that game to make the playoffs. The Cowboys, maybe. Maybe they'll be playing for the division, but they'll probably have a playoff spot locked up by then because the NFC is just so bad. Uh, the Ravens might have the division locked up by week 17. I guess it's week 18 when they play the Bills, right? I said week 17 earlier when we were talking Falcons Saints, but there's 18 weeks in the NFL season. So it really comes down to if those three those three teams that Miami plays at the end are actually playing for something at that point in time, which I'm not sure they any of them will be. No. Uh, just based on where they're – well, the Bills. The Bills for sure will be, I think, because I think they'll be fighting for a wild card spot. Well, we'll save the North there. We'll come back to them, the surprisingly good AFC North. But we'll talk about Jacksonville right there. I did have time to pull up their schedule. They are another one who feels like they're going to be free and clear in this division. People are really excited about C.J. Stroud, and he's been impressive with Houston. Just don't think Houston quite has the total package there. Indy and Tennessee are both maybe fighting for 500 at best. But this Jaguar schedule, they do have San Francisco, Cincinnati, and Baltimore. But otherwise, I think this is maybe a 12-win team, 11-win. I think they'll be competing. I still think the Jaguars have a shot at that one seed, even though they look kind of meh week one and two. So to me, I don't see anybody getting close to the Jags. Tennessee, I think, is clearly seeing what they have in the future with Will Levis and kind of rebuilding this thing, starting over. And then Indy and Houston just feel like there's too many holes, some bright spots, but too many holes to really compete with the Jags. Yeah, I I think that's a fair assessment. I will say that the Texans have their quarterback. I feel like the Titans do too. C.J. Stroud is probably having one of the best rookie quarterback seasons that we've ever seen. Honestly, go go look up some of rookie quarterback seasons. It's up there. And I don't know if you saw his effort on Sunday, the five-touchdown effort, but a lot of those throws that he was making, these guys weren't just running wide open like he was putting these balls into a lot of tight windows to tank dell nico collins dalton schultz um it's i'm not gonna say that he's really peyton manning or anything but his rookie numbers are like better than peyton manning's having one of the best rookie seasons of all time so i know we've dissed on ohio state quarterbacks but i think C.J. Stroud is probably the best one to come out of Ohio State and is a franchise guy. I, I think we've seen enough to say that he's got it. Um, Will Levis played well, but I don't know if we – we need to see a little bit more to say that he's truly got it, but I think he's shown the flashes of that potential at least. So, But like you said, I don't think – I think the division winner – here, which will will be Jacksonville, is going to make the playoffs in the other three. Just not quite yet. Although Houston, who knows if if maybe both the Steelers and the Browns fall apart, Houston could sneak in there, possibly. But I, I don't really see it. Yeah, my l- local television provider 
switched like the final two minutes. We got the end of that Houston game and I did not pick Houston to win. So I was cheering against them, but there was two throws deep at the end. I think they were both to tank Dell hit him on the end of the, or on the sideline with a toe drag, beautiful throw in the back of the end zone. And I'll admit I was one. I didn't know if CJ Stroud, I, I guess I thought Bryce Young was the surefire number one quarterback and then CJ Stroud and then Anthony Richardson, uh, I've been impressed with CJ Stroud. He's looked better than Bryce Young, which you can attribute to a lot of things, but he has been much better than I anticipated. And he and Tank Dell may be on some, not going to, I know this is a high praise, but they may be on some kind of Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase type thing with the way they've played as rookies. Yeah. Well, Nico Collins is actually the leading receiver with 631 yards. And yeah, I just looked it up. I've got Stroud stats in front of me. 2,270 yards, 14 touchdowns, one interception. Yeah, and that one interception for a rookie is the... Yeah, that's the thing that's really getting me there is he's not turning the ball over, throwing it plenty, high completion percentage, and he's not just dinking and dunking with these passes either. Like, he's throwing it intermediate deep, hitting his receivers. So I don't know if he'll put up 30... 30 touchdowns this year, but maybe like he's 14 touchdowns through eight games. I guess you could say he's probably on a pace to put up close to 30. So um, he's not going to win MVP, but he might be in the conversation. If he keeps playing like this, he's certainly going to win offensive rookie of the year. I would think we've got those awards coming up here after our conference breakdowns. We'll talk a little bit more about some of those guys. Uh, going out west here, we've got the Chiefs. Just, nobody's really talking about the Chiefs unless they're talking about Travis Kelsey. We just kind of got used to this of, yeah, the Chiefs, they're the number one seed in the AFC and nobody's talking about them. They are on bye this week. Then they come back with a huge game against the Eagles and they're scheduled on the stretch. Not that tough. You've got going to Green Bay in December just for the sake of the temperature can be tricky. But they've got Buffalo, they've got Cincinnati, and then depending on what shape the Charger Chargers are in, so it would very conceivable to see the Chiefs get 14 wins here. I think Vegas is weirdly maybe now inspired with a new coach. Denver has won two in a row; they're still three and five, but they've won two in a row. And then the Chargers are sitting there at four and four; they've also won two in the row, two in a row. So the bottom of this division is, seems to be improving. The Chiefs seem just seem far enough ahead that nobody's going to catch them, but. In some crazy form or fashion, all three of these other teams may be in the wild card hunt. Yeah. Um, so it looks like to me the Chiefs have the Browns this Sunday, I believe. Come on, CBS, give, have, me a, give me a better website. Yeah. Chiefs have the Browns this Sunday, then they turn around on Thursday night and play the Bengals. Um, so that's two playoff teams back to back. And then at the Chargers, which I don't know. <laughs> One of us is looking at a radically different site. What are you on? Oh, sorry. Oh, wait. <laughs> no, I'm looking at the Ravens schedule. Never okay. mind. I was like, wait, somebody needs to call CBS if we're looking at Okay, go ahead. Never mind. Never mind. Yep, I'm seeing what you're seeing. Yep, totally radically different schedule. So, yep, um, I agree with what you said. Uh, man, I think that, yeah, the Chiefs probably are a 14-win team, but I don't think they're quite the Super Bowl contender that we thought they were last year. Um, 
Travis Kelsey looks like he's 34 at times. Like, he was just non-existent in their win over Miami. I know they got it done, but he was completely non-existent in that game. Um, and also, they don't have maybe a reliable wide receiver, kind of like they had last year with Juju, where they could go to him at times. Rasheed Rice, maybe. I don't know. But the the defense, I guess, is really the story of the Chiefs this year. They've had a pretty good defense that they've put together. I I don't know if that's quite enough. I mean, you can't count out or bet against Mahomes, but I I don't know. I just there's something that's holding me back from saying, yeah, the Chiefs are gonna win it all. Hey, that works for me. I have them going down in the playoffs. I'm I'm still riding with the Jags or the Bengals to win the AFC. Feels like the Chiefs are just going to be there as a one or two seed, no matter what. Yeah, I think I said preseason a rematch of Chiefs Eagles, and I think one of those teams is going to be back there, but it's not the Chiefs. And I have switched up completely, and I believe in the Ravens. I I'm a firm believer in the Baltimore Ravens, so we can go talk about that division if you want. Yeah, we'll talk about the North. One more quick question. Uh, if you had to pick one of these AFC West teams to make the playoffs as a wild card, or or is it just too risky no matter which one you take? Which one would I pick? I mean, the only answer is the Chargers. I don't see the Raiders making it. I don't see the Broncos making it. I think the only answer is the Chargers, and I'm not going to put any faith in the Chargers. Well, all those teams are on the outside looking in because who saw this coming? The AFC North is loaded. And I don't know if this has been done since we expanded seven teams. Has any division got all four of their teams in the postseason? Because that is currently what would happen if the playoffs started today. Baltimore, who has been amazing. I I kind of always doubt Baltimore. But then with what they did to the Seahawks, they've won four in a row, now sitting at seven and two just behind the Chiefs. And then all your wild cards. Right now, Pittsburgh is five, Cleveland six, and Cincinnati is seven. For me, it's still the Bengals. I think Burrow's healthy. I think this team is focused. They've won four straight. I think they're about to go on a tear. They do have a brutal schedule at points in the season, but watch out for the Bengals. I think they're getting ready to strike. Pittsburgh just kind of feels like they're Pittsburgh, so they're going to at least be nine and eight, if not ten and seven. They're not going to be a dumpster fire. They're always going to be in contention. They just don't feel special, and then... Cleveland doesn't really have a quarterback and their star running back is beat up. That defense is going to be ferocious. You just don't see enough firepower with the Cleveland offense. So I think Baltimore and Cincinnati make it. The other two I'm not so sure about. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not so sure about Pittsburgh and Cleveland. I think one of them is going to make it. One of them is going to drop off. And if I had to pick the one that's going to drop off, I think it's going to be Pittsburgh. Just because of the offensive, just because of the offensive concerns, I think their defense has been solid, but it's maybe not quite as good as the Browns' defense. And I think the Browns can put together some semblance of an offense, where whereas just like the Pittsburgh Steelers, I, I don't even know what they're trying to accomplish on offense. I think there's at least maybe a little bit of identity with the Cleveland Browns that you can look to. Uh, Chubb is out, but they still run the ball with Jerome Ford. 
Amari Cooper makes plays and Joku makes plays. I, I still think the Browns have a little bit, a little bit more in them than what the what the Steelers do. Um, so I I don't know. I mean, I guess both could make it, but I think the Steelers are going to start losing pretty soon, as soon as this week, honestly. Um, and probably miss it. I think the Ravens are, it's, their seven wins are impressive, uh, because they have wins against the Bengals, um, the Browns, the Lions, who they absolutely dominated, the Seahawks, who they absolutely dominated. They have a loss to the Steelers and a loss to the Colts. Uh, the loss of the Colts is the head scratcher there in week three. Um, but they have a lot of wins against playoff teams and dominating wins against playoff teams. And they just, they just looked apart. They've had to deal with their fair share of injuries too, but they're kind of getting offensive linemen back and getting healthy. And Lamar Jackson is in some sort of an MVP form, honestly. So. I really like this Ravens team. And these teams are going to get to prove a lot against each other in the coming weeks. Pittsburgh, two of their next three games are at Cleveland and at Cincinnati. And then they still have to play Cincinnati and Baltimore later in the year. The Ravens, same thing. Cleveland, Cincinnati, they have a very late bye. Week 13, there's a couple teams with this super late bye. Coming out of that, they get a get-right game against the Rams. But the Ravens are going to get to prove their medal here in December at Jacksonville, at San Francisco, and then hosting the Dolphins and Steelers. It's their final four games. If the Ravens are the real deal, they're going to get a chance to prove it, or or this is a tough division, and those last four get you. I, I still think Cincinnati's going to rally here, and then Baltimore gets that wild card. But late in the season, Ravens are going to get tested. Yeah, they are. And I, I think Baltimore's going to come out of their schedule 13-4 and four and looking like a legitimate, they're going to get that two seed and looking like a legitimate Super Bowl contender. And we're going to be wondering why we slept on Baltimore. Um, but looking at the Steelers, I, I think they're going to drop a surprise one to my Packers this Sunday. I think they're going to lose road games at the Browns and at the Bengals. They'll probably rebound against the Cardinals, the Pats, the Colts, lose to the Bengals, lose to the Seahawks lose to the Ravens, probably if the Ravens are playing for something in the last week. Maybe, maybe not, but I I don't know. I think I, I don't really view know what the record says, but I don't really view the Steelers as a playoff team. Is Sean Watson actually playing for the Browns? Um, To be determined, I think he <laughs> plays when he wants and plays when he doesn't want to. It's a very strange situation. And they have tethered themselves to him. Was he have like four more years on his deal? Like the richest deal yeah. in history or something crazy? Y- yeah. Um, Brown's just doing Brown things with their quarterback That's situation. True. All right. So we've, so what are your, a- so to back up, AFC standings right now, the Chiefs would have the one seed in the first round by Ravens would have the two hosting the Bengals. Jags would have the three hosting the Browns. Dolphins would have the four hosting the Steelers. But as you look in your crystal ball, where do you see the AFC shaking out? Yeah, so I, I see it as Chiefs 1, Ravens 2, 
Um, one second here. And then Jacksonville three, probably. I don't know. I could be convinced that Miami makes it up to the three. Yeah, I'm going to do that. Miami three, Jacksonville four. And then I think the Bengals will be five. And then in six, I think will probably be the Browns. And I think the Bills probably sneak in at that seven spot and the Steelers drop off. I don't feel great putting confidence in the Bills, but I think the Bills will make it in and be in that seven spot. And so then the Bills would travel to the Ravens. I think we're headed for a um, a Ravens-Bengals AFC championship game in Baltimore. I like it. I'm I'm with you on see I think Chiefs, Bengals, Ravens, Jags, Dolphins. I like those five for sure. I think the Steelers get in just because they're the Steelers and consistency and culture and all that. That seven spot I just can't trust Cleveland because, like you say, Deshaun Watson plays when he wants to, and without him, I don't think they have enough offensive firepower since Nick Chubb is injured. I want to drop them out, but I kind of look around and I'm thinking, who do I trust to take that seven spot? No, Denver and Tennessee are too far down. Indy's not consistent. Is, do I really trust Houston? I, I think it's got to be the Bills as much as I've talked them down. I just, I want to say it's the Chargers. I'm just not sure that they have the coaching to get them there. Brandon Staley seems to kind of be the conventional man on the hot seat. So I, despite me thinking that they're kind of fading, I do think the Bills will sneak into that seven spot as the Browns drop out. But I do have a wild card question for you. Okay. Team sitting at four and four right now, who I think their coach should be up for coach of the year for the fact that this team is even in contention. If Aaron Rodgers comes back and plays the season, if the Jets can just get to like six and six, Aaron Rodgers and the Jets in the postseason. No, um, this whole Aaron Rodgers coming back thing is a. Uh... Not a good idea, one, and a pipe dream, too. <laughs> um, so, no, can't even entertain it. Don't don't think – we can cross the Jets off the list. Okay. Um, I, feel, I feel confident in that. Well, yeah, I'm sticking with the Jags and the Bengals as my AFC picks, and then in the NFC, I, man, I really don't want to pick the Eagles. I think it's more fun if we get the Lions or the Seahawks. But the Eagles, Eagles definitely look like the team to beat with their. Do we outlaw the tush push yet? Wasn't there some news on that? I don't know if we have. Maybe they'll look at it in the, the, the brotherly shove, as they call it. Yeah, you can't, you can't change that mid season. Can't change it mid season. You can change it in the off season. Is my view on it. So, do you want to give out some NFL awards here, quick? Yeah, let's give out some quick awards. Uh, so my midseason MVP, uh, quick, I think Christian McCaffrey should be in this conversation, but we know they only give it to quarterbacks, so he'll probably be offensive player of the year. I'd have to give it to two. I looked at the numbers and I thought, well, I guess it actually two is truly as good as advertised. I think the numbers aren't eye popping, but I got to give it to Lamar Jackson. Yeah, that's fair with what the Ravens are doing. Uh, but if you want to take a chance on someone with the way the Bengals are getting hot, I think Joe Burrow. Yeah, I, could, I would like to see a guy that comes on. I just wonder if they'll give it to a guy who was sluggish at the start of the year. Yeah, I think it's going to become a 
I think it's going to become a Lamar Joe Burrow race, honestly, and it might come down to. Yeah, it might come down to the last few weeks of the season where the Ravens and the Bengals are maybe fighting it out for that division because the Bengals are coming on. Um, but I'll lean Lamar. Uh, defensive player of the year. I had this between two guys in the same division. I'm going Miles Garrett with a slight edge over TJ Watt right now. I'm going Miles Garrett with the slight edge over Micah Parsons. Yeah. Forgot about Parsons. I didn't see much of his numbers really standing out to me. Yeah, yep. I would, uh, but I, I agree. Michael's, Miles Garrett is the defense player of the year. Uh, offensive rookie of the year. I know it's easy to say quarterbacks with CJ Stroud, and that may just be the smart pick, but Bijan Robinson, Jordan Addison, and Puka Nakua, I think all at least deserve recognition. Um, if it's not Stroud, it's got to be Sam Laporta, who's having the best oh, rookie it. season for, yeah, I, honestly, he's having the best rookie season for a tight end of possibly of all time. Um, so it's either Stroud or Laporta in my mind. And my defensive rookie of the year right now, and maybe it's just cause it, it's a guy I get to see a lot on the West coast, but Devin Witherspoon has looked like a seasoned veteran from day one. So I'm going with the Seahawks cornerback. Uh yeah, I could I could get on board with uh, Devin Weatherspoon. I'm I'm struggling to think of who else was a highly drafted rookie uh, defensive player that's even showing out. Uh, so I'm trying to. Will Anderson's been okay. Um, based on uh, tackles, so interceptions. It's Devin Weatherspoon. Brian Branch has been decent. Emmanuel Forbes has been decent. Christian Gonzalez. Uh, Byron, yeah, Jalen Carter. A lot of people are loving what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Brian Branch and Jalen Carter are two names that could be in the conversation, but probably Devin Witherspoon. I I would think. In this one, I had a tougher time coming up with Coach of the Year. Uh, as of right now, I mean, I feel like they don't like to give it to old guys who have been around, but John Harbaugh and Doug Peterson are doing well. The young guy Mike McDaniel, Kevin Stefanski has the Browns in contention. Dan Campbell with the Lions. Uh, this one was tough. I couldn't really figure out which way they would go here. Yeah, I think Dan Campbell. I think um, the Lions are a good story. Um, they've been bad for so long. And if they earn that two spot in the NFC, like I think they will. I think I think Dan Campbell is very deser- deserving. I agree. I hope he does get it. I couldn't, couldn't remember who won it last year. I didn't have that in front of me. I thought he may have been up for it last year. Yeah, I don't know who won it. Maybe uh, Zach Taylor? Oh, yeah. We'll we'll look that up as we get on to the next topic, yeah. touch on that if we need to. Uh, yeah, it could, be, could have been Zach Taylor or, uh, oh, Nick Sirianni. Of the oh, Eagles. yeah, that's right. Could have been, that, could have been Sirianni. Um, but anyways, go ahead. No, was, uh, anything else in the... NFL docket before we get to college football? Uh, no, I really do want to talk some college football. I know I, I have a college basketball game that I want to get off to here, but uh, you want to just talk some Power 5 conference outlooks real quick? Yeah, we can do some conferences. I did want to point out there has never been a two-loss or more team in the playoff. And as we look at the current college football landscape, there are 11 teams with one or zero losses. So if you want to go by the short history we have of the college football playoff, there's only 11 teams that still have a shot at it. So if we want to get into that, or yeah, we can look at our power fives here. 
Time. Yeah, we can just let's just get in who who we think's gonna make it because I can't remember exactly what I said before the season, but I think it might be might have been the top four. Uh, I'm gonna forget what I said before the season because one oh. of them has been terrible, and one of them is trying to play their way back in. Uh, USC is probably who I had, hmm. who's definitely out of it. I think you had Georgia, um, Michigan, Florida State, and then you may have gone Oregon or, or Texas. I don't remember. No. Oh, maybe Texas. Yeah, maybe Texas. So Can't to remember. to lay this out for our listeners, so the 11 teams that have one or fewer losses, currently in the Big Ten, Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State. In the SEC, Georgia, Alabama, and don't forget about Ole Miss. In the ACC, Florida State, and somehow Louisville. Representing the Big 12 is Texas, and then in the Pac-12, Oregon, and Washington. Many of these teams will play each other and knock each other off between now and then. But those are your... Again, going by history, the 11 1 or 0 loss teams, not including mid majors, sorry, Tulane, Air Force, and James Madison, they are not going to consider you. Correct. Yep. Um, well, an Air Force took a loss to Army, so yeah, they're out. Uh, James Madison is the only one who could truly have a chance, outside chance. It, but they're not even eligible because of dumb rules. Oh, I forgot about Liberty. Liberty is still 9 0 as well. So, yeah, well, sorry, <laughs> Liberty, you're out. Um, but anyways, I think it's conceivable the Big Ten get two because Ohio State's number one, Michigan's number three in the CFP rankings right now. Ohio State already beat Penn State. I don't see Ohio State losing until they play Michigan the last game of the year, which means they won't suffer any more than one loss because I don't think Michigan's losing to Penn State, and if they beat Ohio State, which I think they will, um, and go 12-0, and I think in 11-1, Ohio State is good enough to not drop below four. And then I think Georgia, if they win out and win the SEC championship, they're in. And if Florida State wins out and wins the their championship, they're in. Um that you could conceivably put a 13-0 Washington over over in Ohio State, probably. Um, it's also possible that Georgia loses um, because they've been less than impressive, and I think a lot one-loss Georgia would actually knock the SEC out because I don't think Alabama would jump up and in to the college football playoffs. So I, I think there's a pretty good scenario here where the Big Ten gets two teams in. Um, and it's Ohio State and Michigan. I would like to personally see Ohio State, Michigan, Florida State, Washington as the Final Four this season. No SEC, no Big 12, um, or future SEC with Texas, I guess. But Washington getting in, I think, would be a good story. And uh, I'm just not a fan of the Oregon Ducks. I would prefer not to have them in the college football playoffs the most dominant team in college football this season has been Oregon they just took some stupid chances against Washington but we'll let the rest of the country catch up uh that's I just wonder what would happen if so your beloved Hawkeyes and their non-existent offense are somehow leading the Big Ten West if they so in this whole topsy-turvy thing where Ohio State beats Penn State Penn State beats Michigan Michigan beats Ohio State they all have one loss and then somehow Iowa wins the Big Ten. Are they going to put two loss, no offense Iowa in the Big Ten 
and leave out the East team in this pipe dream if this were to happen? Nah, no two loss. Iowa team is getting in, no. But to say the Big Ten champion got left out would be huge. Yeah, Yeah, I would. But, um, well, and Iowa really should be 8-1 and because they were screwed over on the worst call of all time. But, um... I pretend that doesn't happen because I can't acknowledge it was a bad call because I would favor Iowa and I just can't do that. Well, I'm sorry you can't do that. But (laughs) most people can, um... But yeah, the record says seven two, but they're really eight one. Um, but I digress. I don't think Iowa's getting in your scenario. I think Iowa winning the Big Ten championship would keep the Big Ten out completely. Yeah. Now this just looking at this week's schedule, this could throw a lot of us into chaos. So you've got Georgia taking on Ole Miss, which you would presumably think Georgia should be the heavy favorite there and should take that one away. So that would knock out Ole Miss, and we're ostensibly heading for a Georgia-Alabama SEC title game for the umpteenth time. Michigan going to Penn State. That could, If Penn State wins that, we're in a mess. If Michigan wins, Penn State's out. It's clean and easy. Florida State is hosting Miami this week. Now, most people don't like Miami as much as I do, but I would watch out this game for Florida State. Same for Washington. Washington is hosting Utah. We know what Utah brings to the table. Defense, coaching, toughness. So there could be a lot of pandemonium caused this week and Alabama goes to Kentucky. Kentucky's no longer a pushover. So I think a lot of these teams could really kind of, this could really shake things up this week. Ohio state you think is going to be okay against Michigan state. We could be talking about a whole different college football landscape after this week's fantastic slate Saturday. Yeah, I agree. It could be a massive shakeup this week. Personally rooting for Georgia to lose. I don't think they're really that good, um, to be honest. And, um, yeah, just would like to see a scenario where the SEC is not in. What's, how do you feel about one loss Louisville? Let's, if you have. Mm, Their one loss though is Pittsburgh and it's, that's just a weird loss. Um, I think they're, I mean, they can only play the schedule in front of them, but. Man, they're they're high on the they haven't played anybody. I guess if they go twelve and one and beat beat the breaks off Florida State, you got to put them in. That's I mean that's like you say if if the SEC and the Big Ten are going to take two spots and then you're debating one loss Oregon, one loss Texas, one loss Louisville. Is Louisville going to win that debate? Probably not. Unless they absolutely just smoke Florida State off the field in the ACC championship. Let's go twelve and one. Right. So, but even then, but even then, they probably fall back on that pit loss where they got blown out by Pitt thirty-eight to twenty-one, and say you're not good enough. Yeah. It's so weird. So many games like that. Like I think about Oregon State losing to Wazoo, and we thought, oh, Washington State's going to be kind of good, and now they're not. And Oregon State's like, man, you guys got smoked by a bad team. If you just won and eat that what we would call an easy game, they'd be right in the hunt. And it just, College football is a weird sport. Definitely. Definitely a weird sport. All right. Uh, so we're on a time crunch here with Andrew, but I'll do a couple of quick hitters after this. But uh, what would your Heisman ballot look like? I have my top five Heisman candidates. I'm curious if you have your uh, Andrew's Heisman five right now. Yep. Michael Penix at the top spot, because I think you got to factor in the win over Oregon. Bo Nix at number two, and I think those are your, your top two, and the race comes down to you, the Pac-12 championship, 
which will, I very much think, be a, a rematch between those two. And so that might decide playoff spot, Heisman, all in one game. Um, outside of that, then I think it's J.J. McCarthy. You have to think about him. Myron Harrison Jr., you have to think about him. And then probably Jordan Travis of Florida State, I think, is my fifth. You could talk me into a lot of guys at fifth, but I think I landed on Travis. Um, maybe Jalen Milrow, maybe oh, yeah. Jalen Daniel, Jaden Daniels. I don't know, but I, I probably would land Travis over those two. Yeah, I got... I got fired up this weekend when people were trying to throw Jalen Milrow into the Heisman conversation that has not been the starter all year is just finally, it's not fair when guys like Penix and uh, Bo have been doing it all year. Just the, this is not Milrow's year. I'm with you. I think Penix is number one right now. I would have Bo at three. I still think Caleb Williams is in there. His numbers are there. He's doing his part. It's not his fault that the defense is terrible. He can't play both ways. So I think Caleb Williams is still in my top five. He's about number four. I had my top four pretty easy. I threw Malik Neighbors in there at number five, the LSU wide receiver, just because I wanted a non-quarterback. And I think he's been the best non-quarterback on the offensive mm. side of the ball. So Malik Neighbors, five. Caleb Williams, four. I got Bo, three. And then Jaden Daniels, he, the LSU quarterback, throwing two Malik Neighbors. I did not realize how good of a season he was having. I don't really watch LSU by choice. He's playing fantastically dual threat and he's putting up numbers right in line with Penix and like 80 fewer attempts. So much more balanced offense that LSU has. So props to Jaden Daniels for what he's able to do. But Penix is the guy through nine games. Yeah, Penix is definitely the guy. Um, future Iowa offensive coordinator, Ryan Grubb, is doing a great job. No wonder Indiana was good a couple of years ago. We now see why. Yeah, well, no, Kalen DeBoer was the offensive coordinator who's now the head coach. But uh, Ryan Grubb, the offensive coordinator, has some Iowa ties. So there's been some talk here right. in Iowa circles about Ryan Grubb maybe becoming the Iowa offensive coordinator, head coach, and waiting at Iowa, which I think oh. would be a very great and unique thing for Iowa to do which it's what I'm rooting for, but it's probably a long shot. Uh, so one more quick thing. We'll cram this in one minute before Andrew has to go. Uh, we have a Let's huge go. UFC 295 card this weekend. It was supposed to be headlined by John Jones defending his heavyweight title against Stipe Miocic, which would have probably been the biggest heavyweight fight in UFC history. Jones tears his pec muscle in training right before Halloween, so they scramble. Yuri Prochaska and Alex Pereira becomes a light heavyweight title bout. That becomes a headliner. Then they move up Sergey Pavlovich versus Tom Aspinall to an interim heavyweight title fight. Jones is supposed to be out at least eight months, so we'll see what happens there if he gets to keep that or if they take the interim belts off these two guys who were probably in line the winner of this was going to be the contender. So you've got Prochaska, the former light heavyweight champ who lost his belt against Alex. And again, I've heard smart UFC people call him Alex Pereira or Alex Pereira. So whichever, I don't know what the correct one is, but smarter people than me have said both. Uh, he is the slight favorite. He is the man who defeated Israel Adesanya and then lost to Israel, Israel Adesanya. He is the minus 130 favorite, Yuri Prochaska, the plus 110 underdog. So which way are you going for the light heavyweight title? Uh, I'm going Yuri on this one. 
Uh, I'm, I'm with you. I like the underdog odds there. Yuri Prochaska, uh, an insane person. If you ever want to look up insane person training videos, Prochaska is your bread and butter. Pareda, world-class kickboxers. would be a fun matchup for those two. Uh, the interim heavyweight title fight, the number two, Sergei Pavlovich versus number four, Tom Aspinall. Uh, Pavlovich, much more of a striker. Aspinall, fantastic. Uh, on the ground, he's, he's supposed to be the next up-and-comer at heavyweight that everybody wanted. And then here comes Pavlovich winning four in a row. No odds yeah. on UFC.com for this one. Hmm. Uh, don't. Pavlovich versus Aspinall. I'll probably lean Aspinall, I think. He does. I I do like Aspinall. He was sidelined with a knee injury a year ago, but he's had one fight since then, and there are two guys who are on absolute tears. So I will, I'll go with Aspinall as well. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and then... Andrade Dern. Yeah, it feels like Jessica Andrade is on every other fight card. And then Mackenzie Dern, two of the Warriors in the women's divisions that have been around forever. I'll go Jessica Andrade just because I'm slightly more familiar. But I feel like these two probably have fought at some point in the past. I don't have that right in front of me. But they've been around a long time holding down the women's divisions. Yeah, I'll go Andrade as well. If it feels like she's been on a lot of cards, it's because she has. This is her fifth fight in 2023. Wow. And she just, just wow. <laughs> she needs a win. It's been, it's been tough sledding. So she needs to get back in form, but I'll, I'll pick her in this one further down the card. Not a lot of people I know too much about, but those top three fights, nice little cap to a Saturday night. If I'm not busy watching the Cyclones play BYU, I can have this on the other TV. Yeah. I will actually be in Iowa City watching uh, Iowa against a surprisingly good Rutgers team. So probably the top. Toughest game remaining on Iowa's schedule, so I may not even be back in time to enjoy UFC this Saturday night. So watch out for that fumble Ruski play. Yeah, um, I I know Rutgers has been pretty decent, but I think kind of their identity on offense plays right into Iowa's hands. Talk about Iowa's offense all you want, but their defense and special teams is absolutely elite, top five best in the country in both those categories. Probably closer to top one in both, but um, yeah. So I I think that'll be an interesting game. Uh, don't watch it if you like points, because <laughs> there will not be points in any Iowa game for the rest of the season. Um, but Iowa's going to go ten and two while scoring a hundred and fifty points total this season, maybe less. <laughs> uh, side note: as we're putting a bow on this episode, the rankings just came out. College football playoff. Uh, really no major chances, uh, changes, Ohio state, Georgia, Michigan, Florida state, Washington, Oregon, Texas, Alabama, Ole Miss, Penn state, and Louisville. So the 11 teams we mentioned had a shot. That's how they rank one through 11. So there you go. Yep. Yep. So not surprised by anything in that at all. So hopefully I will say one last thing on college football. Hopefully James Madison petitioned the NCAA to let them play because they have the best shot of any um, group of five team at being uh, that representative in the New Year six. Hopefully the NCAA does decide to let James Madison be eligible for that. If, yeah, if they, if they go 12 and 0 and, Right. 13 and 0 win the Sun Belt Championship. They should obviously be in a New Year's Six game. 
go Dukes. We're, we're team James Madison on the show. We always cheer for parity in small schools and giving your non-traditional teams a chance. So hopefully, hopefully the NCAA sees how to do right on that one and give the Dukes a chance. Yeah. The NCAA doing something right though is, would be the biggest upset of the season. <laughs> All right. So, well, we don't have, there's not enough time in the day to get into how they're going to fumble the Harbaugh Michigan sign stealing. We'll save that for a future episode. Yeah, we can save that for uh, next week. But anyways, good talking with you this week. All right. Thank you. And thank you all for joining us. We'll send Andrew off to watch basketball. Enjoy whatever's on your sports calendar this week. So much basketball, football, UFC, a little bit of everything for everybody. We thank you all for joining us. Keep your stick on the ice.